You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Yeah. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Oh, once she grabs, she won't let go. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Yeah. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. None of that soft stuff. Rock, rock. None of that heavy metal stuff. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Just a little bit of jazz. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Uh, we Just are rocking. So, uh, let me tell you, we've got a busy show for you today. And, uh, you know, uh, what a day to be busy because there's a brand new Randy Rainbow song and a brand new one from the Parody Project. They're both really good. But here's the thing. I'm going to share them with you tomorrow. Because Marcy Wheeler's on the show today. And as we usually do, because Marcy is over in Ireland, we taped it this morning. And I had a lot, a lot to talk to her about. So we went for just about the whole hour. And I'm afraid if I play the Randy Rainbow song, then, you know, it's going to get cut off and the wonderful people listening live on the Progressive Voices Network won't hear the end. So... You have to come back tomorrow. Got it? Because now we're just going to jump right in and, um, and uh, you know, talk to <laughs> Marcy Wheeler. You ready? Because I certainly am. Well, here we are again. It's been a whirlwind of action in uh, <laughs> here in the States. Marcy Wheeler, do you always have popcorn going there in Ireland just watching what's unfolding here? I can't even remember what we were supposed to talk about, but like, as it was so long ago, two whole days and 15 other things have happened since. I, ha- I have a whole list of different topics <laughs> we can we can go with. Um, actually, when I when I contacted you, knowing that I, I'm going to be out next week because I have to have eye surgery again. And I thought we can't wait another week to talk to Marcy because so much is going on. So let's start with the the hearing last week. Um, Matt Taibbi, or as you affectionately call him, Matty Dickpicks, um, testified before Congress, along with another journalist who, frankly, I I, I wasn't familiar with. Um, it was Schellenberger or something like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he, he's only done one or two of these Twitter files, came in afterwards. Um, but he, for example, claims to have read this FBI deposition that should have led him to correct some of Matt Taibbi's lies under oath, but he did not. So um, neither of them, you know, um, Democrats suggested they weren't journalists early on, and that was probably not the way to undercut Taibbi's authority because he has been a journalist in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but um, it, you know, I, I don't think Democrats did a particularly good job of laying out all of the problems with their claims, but it was amusing anyway. It, it was. And, um, uh, it, 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 there were parts that were just incredulous, like uh, and and I got to point out Jamie Raskin, who constantly um, corrected 
Or was it Jamie Raskin at that hearing or was he at a different hearing? They're all morphing together for me. Yeah. So this one was Stacey Plaskett, who uh, probably made Jim Jordan even more furious because she's a smart black woman. Um, and Dan Goldman is also Dan Goldman. on that committee. Oh, it was Dan Goldman who kept, you know, catching them basically in lies. I mean, at one point, Dan Goldman said to Schellenberger about a New York Post article, said you you said that everything in that article was true. And he said, yeah. And then he pointed out where if he had just read the uh, the the report from the impeachment trial, I think the first impeachment trial, he would have known that what the New York Post reported was not true, just undercut their credibility if they had any to begin with. Yeah, and I think you could have actually spent the entire hearing doing that. One thing I discovered belatedly um, this week is that Maddie Dickpix did a post in, I want to say it was July, during the, no, it would have been May, or sometime after the Michael Sussman trial last year, in which he claimed, you know, Hillary Clinton should be barred from Twitter because she uh, pushed the Alpha Bank anomaly I want to say it was October 31st, 2016. And oh my gosh, I mean, I read some of Maddie Dickpix's Russian apology, and this one was uh, stunning, but it was stunning as well because Maddie Dickpix was calling to ban Hillary from Twitter. And then just, you know, six months later, he's now almost pet. Uh, saying such bans are egregious, but he, but oh my gosh, he got so much wrong and he's still pushing, he's still pushing, um, what I call the single server fallacy, which is to say that the way this is what Maddie Dick picks in his ilk, um, this is how they claim you investigate a hack, which is did CrowdStrike, the, the, the contractor that Hillary brought in or the Democrats brought in to investigate uh, a hack of multiple servers in the middle of an active campaign season, did CrowdStrike see the Russians exfiltrate the documents as if that answers the question. Um, And it's like, you know, all of this was stolen using the cloud. Okay. So, you know, if you want to catch a bank robber, one place to catch them is in the getaway car. And that's where the FBI looks. And so there was this moment where Dad, where Dan Goldman asked Matty Dickpix whether he believes the um, GRU indictment, the twenty, the Mueller twenty eighteen indictment of twelve Russian hackers. Okay. It was the wrong question to ask. And I think Matty, to his credit, said, "You know, it's an indictment. It's not proof." Um, what what I wish Goldman would have done is say, "Do you believe?" that Google has viable evidence about a global exfiltration attempt because that, you know, I know um, from my own reporting that the big tech companies um, and, and um, Facebook has said this, they said this publicly in 2017, the big tech companies saw that it was Russia in the act. And the big tech companies are not dissimilar from the NSA. I mean, they've got that global reach and they've got a lot of measurements of our actions. So Facebook and uh, and Google and Microsoft all have visibility on that kind of thing. Um, and they were watching Russia do this in real time. And the FBI went to them after the fact and said, what did you see? And they said, here's what we saw. And that's how you prove that a hack happened. And nevertheless, Maddie Dick picks under oath claimed that you couldn't tell. Um, and so I think there are easier ways to prove that Maddie Dick Picks is at this point not even a good faith actor. Another thing that Maddie Dick Picks did was um, he raised communications sent from the FBI to Twitter the night before the Hunter Biden document came out. And they were sent via a channel that the same FBI deposition, uh, a guy by the name of Elvis Chan, who's one of the key agents working with Silicon Valley companies, um, that deposition said to communicate about misinformation, disinformation, we used Signal. To communicate about criminal investigations, we used this other channel. And so Michael Schellenberger, the guy that you just you know discovered for the first time, yeah. and Taibbi have both claimed that um, this communication the night before the Hunter Biden laptop via the law enforcement channel had to be related to the Hunter Biden laptop, even though 
they know there's a sworn deposition saying that's not what we use it for. Now, one of the reasons I find that really interesting, speaking of the topic of hacking, is because in this same time period, in the same time period that, uh, you know, the Republicans are all worried about the Hunter Biden laptop, the Bill Barr DOJ was uh, wrapping up an indictment of the same GRU group mm -hmm. for primarily for their involvement in the Olympic hack, in the hack of the South Korean Olympics. Um, so I want to say that was 2018. Okay. In any case, uh, and so and and but in addition, like that hack was rolled out a little bit on Twitter, but included in that indictment was the Macron leaks hack, which was significantly rolled out on Twitter. So this is the kind of thing where you would need to be, if you were the guy whose job it was, was to interface with Silicon Valley. I mean, that's not the only criminal investigation that Elvis Chan almost certainly would be talking to Twitter about on precisely those days, but that's one of them. And so, um, and so Maddie Dickpicks and, and Michael, Sh and so Maddie Dickpicks under oath, said we have, you know, the proof that uh, FBI might have been involved in the Hunter Biden laptop is this communication channel that the FBI would not have used for talking about the Hunter Biden laptop. He said this under oath. Wow. wow. Um, and so, you know, I think he got away with a lot in that testimony. And I, and I do think that the Democrats were not as strong as they could have been. They didn't they didn't um, call him out for starting a panic about uh, non-consensual dick pics, which, by the way, is why I call him. Dick That's pics right. As, um, because he, he's his his quote unquote reporting on this is so shoddy. He never bothered to see what the DNC was was asking to take down. Um, they they did not catch Maddie dick pics into falsely claiming repeatedly and over and still that the FBI had no investigative interest in all these all these accounts that were lying about the time and place and manner of casting votes when that's a crime. Mm -hmm. And when I mean, one of my favorite catches of Maddie dick pics in an out and out lie in his Twitter files is one day he posted this screen cap and he said, oh, look, they're looking for location data. This is proof they're evil. After that, he said, there's no evidence they're they're doing investigations with these lists of accounts that are making false claims about the time, place and means of voting have anything to do with investigations. I'm like, you posted proof. You posted <laughs> proof because the reason they wanted location, they didn't want the street block where the person's Twitter account was from. They were called. They were asking, basically, can you tell us what venue? Meaning, should we get the Massachusetts U.S. attorney or the North Carolina U.S. attorney to start investigating this? Can you tell us what venue to investigate these false claims about the place, time and means of voting? Uh, can you tell us that so that we can take further and further investigative steps and also... Um, more proof that they were uh, at least contemplating investigate further investigating of these of these files. They said we would like a preservation order. We want to know who to send the preservation order to. And right. a preservation order, for those who don't know, it's a very low bar for uh, getting one. But when you want to do an investigation, but you don't have the basic evidence to get, say, uh, you know, a pen register or, or a D order or some other kind of legal process, you call up the tech companies and you can say, keep this content. Even if you take it down, please keep this content so we can come back and figure out who is behind it. Right. Because we may prosecute it. So let me explain why this matters, why it is real that people that the FBI would have an interest in keeping and being able to go back and investigate the content of people who are lying about the time, place or means of voting. Um, there is a case that was supposed to start today, but is now starting on Monday by a guy named Ricky. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm mistaking his pseudonym for his real name. Um, his real name is Douglas Mackey. And he's this far right troll who in 2016 tried with some success to get uh, black and Latino voters, Hillary voters, to cast their vote by text. <laughs> okay. And thousands of people pursued this. Oh, thousands God. of people clicked his links. Uh -huh. And um, and they are prosecuting him under what's called the Ku Klux Klan Act for denying people their right to vote. Because if somebody did this, right, if somebody did this and didn't show up at the voting polls, then um, then they would not cast their vote for Hillary Clinton. And he was explicit in his chats with people like Baked Alaska and, you know, 
uh, a bunch of other far right, alt right fascist types. Um, he was explicit. He's like, I don't, you know, you know, the Nineteenth Amendment should be repealed, and um, these people, these these black people, all live, you know, they're all on the dole, and so oh so that's one case. This is a case going going before uh, before a jury next week. And then another case, which was very relevant, and the right-wingers I've asked about this all get all squishy because they realize that this matters. So Iranian hackers hacked one, probably Florida, because everything's Florida, as we know. Right. Every time I come on, we talk about Florida. Well, but it was probably Florida, and I'll tell you why. They hacked a registration site to get names of Democratic voters and contacted those voters pretending to be Proud Boys and threatened them and said, if you vote, then I'm going to come after you. And um, it was it was Iranian. It, no Americans were, evolved, were involved, but the infrastructure for it would look just like what Maddie Dickpix is defending. It would look like right wingers trying to suppress the black and brown vote on Twitter and other social media. And and this is this was one of the most successful information operations of the 2020 election. It was brilliant because, you know, you defame Proud Boys, you um, threaten black voters, you try to drive down the black vote in a key state. I do think it was Florida because, again, it's always Florida. Um, And this is this is something that has been entirely absent from Maddie Dickpix's story about Twitter, even though it's centrally relevant in the communications between FBI and Twitter at the time. So these are things that Maddie Dickpix doesn't tell you about. But anyway, he is lying, lying to you about whether or not the FBI had investigative interest in lying about the time, place or means of voting because it is a crime. You know, it can the, be a crime. Right. So there's so much. The, the thing that they were testifying about was ostensibly the Twitter files. Um, and these were all the, this data that uh, Elon Musk got when he bought Twitter. He, I think, selectively released what he wanted to to his handpicked scribes to have them report on it um, in the in the in the name of transparency, similar to what uh, what Kevin McCarthy did with the January 6th surveillance tapes, giving them only to Tucker Carlson. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But um, but but Elon Musk said he's going to release these to ever to journalists. Right. Have you been have you gotten access to them yet? No, he's not going to release it to journalists <laughs> because if he did, like a- as it is, it's clear that he has not. Musk has not given Matty Dick picks the request from the Trump administration. And if he did, it would become clear a that a lot of the covid related requests came from Trump's HHS. And it would also be clear that Trump did far more to, quote unquote, censor, uh, although still stopping short of censorship, did far more to, quote unquote, censor than anything that the Biden administration did then or since. And so he's not going to release it. He's not. Uh, And we're going to learn. We'll learn. I mean, for example, I would go and I would say, let's learn about um, these hacks that were happening that, you know, the hack hackers that Twitter was using. Um, like the the global threat hearings last week, also last week, it was a busy week, um, said, you know, that Russia tried to interfere in the 2022 election. They're going to continue to do it. Uh, that's not a surprise. But what the the end goal, it seems, or the end result, the logical end result of what Musk is doing with the Twitter files um, and and he and Maddie Dickpicks are getting more and more explicit about this at every moment is to ensure that Twitter will be a proud vehicle for Russian attempts to interfere wow. in the next election. Because like Maddie Dickpicks, one of the things that he and Schellenberger were going out against in that hearing, which got less attention, was that um, a bunch of entities who care about elections said, hey, journalists, Let's hold off if there's a hack and leak campaign. Let's just hold off until we can do some verifying. I mean, basically, let's just be journalists rather than a mob of six-year-olds chasing a soccer ball. And um, and Schellenberger especially has deemed immediately publishing hacked uh, material, regardless of who it's from, the Daniel Ellsberg rule. <laughs> and <laughs> claiming anybody who doesn't do that is not a journalist. So wow. it's, it's you know, like they're doing what they're the logic of what they're doing. I mean, let's not lose sight of it. The logic of what they're doing is a way to normalize Twitter becoming a vehicle for successful interference in U.S. elections. That is the goal. That is the logical outcome of what they are doing it, to it, turn Twitter into you know, a machine for stolen elections. 
uh, and uh, well, to anybody who's been on Twitter lately, um, if you were on it before the, the Elmo takeover, you know that it's a different place. It's just it's noticeably different just going on there and seeing how uh, right. it, it's not just that he let the Nazis back on, but he did let the Nazis back on. But the other thing that he has tried to do is to ratchet up and like inflammatory contact. So mm. if you, you know, if you respond badly to incitement, then you're going to get more of that same incitement. And the only answer to that is just a mass block. And now, now Elmo's really upset by all the mass blocking because it, it, it's a server draw, you know, it's a server pull. I mean, it's just a mess, but, uh, one of the funniest things happening on Twitter right now is David Sachs. Yes. And Jason Calacanis, but especially David Sachs. These are two of Elmo's top advisors. I call him El- Elmo is not my nickname for him. It's somebody who actually is two degrees of, El- of Elmo and, <laughs> and has reason to call him Elmo. But okay. anyway, it um, works. Uh, two of, of Elmo's top supporters who are these VC bros. They're like the they're the kind of tech community in Silicon Valley who just started a run on SVB Bank. Right. Um, they keep going on Twitter, did over the weekend, kept going on Twitter and all caps going, oh, my God, do something. We're tech bros who need a bailout. Right. And um, and that content, aside from the fact that it's feeding the panic around the banks, is actually far more amusing than the Twitter files. And um, and I ran a poll over the weekend because we know that Elmo does everything by polls. And I said, <laughs> is this funnier, more true or more accurate than the Twitter files? And yes, the answer was yes. So now one should watch David Sachs. Now, an idiot I read the, and I don't know if it's true but it appears to be is david Sachs doing a fundraiser for ro Khanna? did you see that i wouldn't be surprised i mean Khanna, he's from silicon valley I know. he's got ties to all these people Ew, that's a bad here david Sachs doing a fundraiser for ro Khanna later this month tickets from thirty three hundred dollars to thirteen thousand two hundred um wow i mean if you're david Sachs, would you rather have Katie Porter or Adam Schiff right. or Ro Khanna as senator from California. I get I, 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 I'm a, I'm guessing not Katie Porter because she and um, Elizabeth Warren, I think today are introducing legislation over this mess. Ro Khanna, I guess, is in Silicon Valley. He's got to have at least some friendliness towards uh the people who are freaking out over the fail of a uh, Silicon Valley bank. Right. And I think if Ro, I mean, Ro Khanna is an also ran at this point, but if he can become viable, then he'll sort of take out Katie Porter. Oh, so, okay. Anyway. Well, so, so that, so this brings us into this collapse of the banks. Is there anything, I mean, this is um, from what I can tell these these investors into this bank and and many of the the depositors were sort of coerced into they told that they were told they had to keep their assets there even though they weren't insured over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars um that there there was a lot of stuff in there uh that that pointed to this happening but um it it was fabricated that there wasn't there were there was no evidence of an actual run on the banks that it probably could have been settled and taken care of without the extraordinary efforts of the FDIC stepping in to shut down the. I, I I'm talking out my ass here because I don't I don't no, know. I think it's too early to to say that. And and I I, I uh, oh we still have plenty of time to get to tw- Tucker, but we oh, should yes. definitely talk about Tucker. That's nice. I think the short version is one. Peter Thiel had a role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we should take very seriously that Peter Thiel had a role because he is a chaos agent in this, you know, in this world. And so um, he, you know, uh, he had a role. Uh, the the people who ran the bank pulled their money out earlier. Those are the two. I mean, those are two suspect things we should look at. Trump changed the uh, level at which banks were considered systematic in 2018. Um, and so that created this opportunity. The the, the, these are these are the reasons it happened, and a lot of tech bros like David Sachs and and Calcanis, Jason Calacanis, are making excuses for uh, how tech bros like them need special treatment, um, and whether or not that's true, uh, you know, you gotta if you don't already follow David Sachs because it's hilarious. David Sachs on Twitter. S A C H S. 
S A C K S. Oh, C K S. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned. Okay. Yeah, because like he, he's getting in, into it with Kara Swisher and he's like, I'm a pure libertarian. And it's like, <laughs> he's hilarious. So again, far more entertaining than Maddie Dick Picks on Twitter. Uh, Dave that's, John- that's, that's about my, the, the total of, of where I think we know. Okay about SVP. It's early yet. We're going to learn more. There's going to be a lot more. By the way, Dave Johnson came up with a new uh, name for a group of libertarians. Um, He calls it a bailout of libertarians. Just thought. Uh, Oh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Like like a flock of geese or whatever. Right. A a bailout of libertarians. Yeah, I thought that worked, too. Okay, Marcy Wheeler. Now let's talk about Tucker Carlson. This is... It's amazing because we have proof positive in texts and emails and his own words that Tucker Carlson knew that the the claims of the election being a fraud and votes stolen was all bullshit. He knew it, yet he perpetuated that lie on the air because he was afraid that Fox was losing viewers to Newsmax. And, oh, God, their stock price was falling and they need to stop this and they need to fire journalists who are actually fact checking. And um, so with that as the backdrop, Tucker Carlson gets from Kevin McCarthy 44,000 plus hours of surveillance video from the Capitol from January 6th exclusively and starts making an alternate fact version of what happened on January 6th. The way the man lies is just astounding. But I guess he does it because he knows that he's got a captive audience who are going to believe him no matter what he spews. Yeah, look, I mean, he's got the best audience on cable. And so... You know, where Tucker goes determines where not just where am I allowed to swear on this? Yes, you are. Absolutely. Um, His producer from the time, a guy by the name Alex Pfeiffer, who left last year, called these. He said it's like negotiating with terrorists, the cousin fucker types, not the. I'm going to go find the exact quote because it's hilarious. <laughs> Just um, the, 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 but, co- uh, the cousin fucking terrorists alone is that's quote worthy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he basically that like if you want to encapsulate the disdain that all of these Fox people have for their viewers, you should know that Tucker Carlson's own producer called them cousin fucking terrorists that's right. or cousin. I'm not sure whether I have to go back and read the actual original because it's either cousin fucker or cousin fucking terrorist. But since I'm going to use it for the rest of my life, I'm going to go back and <laughs> make sure you got it. Right. Not just not just cousin fucking ter- uh, terrorists, but dumb cousin fucking terrorists. Oh, that's so, right. You have the qualifier in front of it because not only um, are they cousin fucking but they're dumb. Right. Yeah. And he was describing that in discussing how to deal with the fact that their that their viewers were going to believe bullshit peddled by Sidney Powell. And they're like, it's a sort of delicate dance we have to play because these people are going to believe what she says and believe everything else Trump says. And remember, when we are um, what we're talking about from Fox thus far is just is just Dominion's lawsuit. So Dominion's lawsuit says you put on, uh, I forget whether it's 10 or 20, on 10 or 20 shows, you allowed people like Sidney Powell to come on and make claims you knew to be false with no pushback about Dominion. And we kept telling you, like claims not just that Dominion was involved in the election, but that Dominion engaged in fraud with the Venezuelan government. Just crazy stuff, right? <laughs> right. This was Sidney Powell's stuff. Right. Um, and... Uh, and that's the basis of the claim. But what we are getting is only the material relating to the Dominion claims. And that's important with regards to Tucker Carlson, because Tucker Carlson was really pissed off that Sidney Powell wouldn't give him evidence. And so on that one claim, Tucker Carlson was generally uh, generally resisted, although after January 6th, he brought on the pillow guy and let him make these claims, you know, uncontested. Right. Um, so. Generally, Tucker was better on the Dominion stuff than Sean Hannity and especially Mar- Maria Bartiromo and especially Jeannie Peru and uh, Perot or however you say her name. And Hero. especially um, um, Lou Dobbs. I mean, th- they were worse uh, on the Dominion story. But just as an example, in addition, last week, um, Jenna Ellis, yeah. Rudy Giuliani's uh melting hair dye aid right <laughs> jen yeah. ellis 
admitted in uh, in a Colorado proceeding as a way to keep her bar license that she misrepresented uh, 10 claims. This one is 10 about the election. And four of those were on Fox News. Okay. And they were different false claims than the false claims before Dominion. Uh, so those are false. Fox let those go on. Right. The Dominion claims are false. And then we have the Smartmatic suit, which is going forward. Just, and we'll have and a different set of false claims regarding uh, Smartmatic. And in, you know, and in a lot of those cases, you're going to see that Tucker Carlson was more willing to, to, to spout Trump's propaganda than he was uh, the Sidney Powell stuff. And, and really... What's interesting about Tucker Carlson, I mean, there's a lot that's interesting about Tucker Carlson. One is he's a giant hypocrite because we know that he treats, that he believes his viewers are cousin fucking terrorists. That's right. But, um, you know, he likes to claim he wasn't, Glenn Greenwald especially likes to claim he wasn't that bad in this, in the pre-January 6th phase. Although several times he had a producer say, you know, this is like, a deliberate attempt to delegitimize the duly elected president. Something that, by the way, Steve Bannon was saying to Fox explicitly. Our goal is to make it impossible for Biden to be president. Right. Impossible for him to have any legitimacy. Since then, Tucker has actually embraced those theories. Um, so much so that in his Ukraine invasion, invest his Ukraine invasion special. He said Joe Biden has no legitimacy as president because a lot of people don't believe he was he was elected. And it's like so the things that Tucker Carlson was too uh too well, he's none of these things that I can think of that are good, but right. these things that Tucker was unwilling to do between November 2020 and January 2021, he's now willing to do, you know, exceptionally. So that's one thing. Uh, he, and and you're right. Like he is also from the start uh, aired ridiculous conspiracy theories about the January 6th investigation. Like mm -hmm. he aired these claims by Revolver News, Darren, whatever his name is. Um, Revolver News, Glenn Greenwald, Tucker Carlson in cahoots took the names of not yet charged people in the Oath Keeper investigation and assumed that they were narcs, assumed that they were FBI informants. Ooh. And the chief person they did this with was a was somebody originally named as person two. <gasps> when they did this with the person named as person two was a woman, Sharon Caldwell, the spouse of Thomas Caldwell, who was never charged. She didn't go into the Capitol and she wasn't herself an Oath Keeper. Um, but in the period, they were claiming she was an FBI informant in a period where she was doing everything humanly possible. To, I mean, you know, I think her spouse is horrible. I, you know, I'm sure I have nothing in common with him. But I respect the fact that this woman has dropped her life to support her, you know, 65, 70 year old husband as he's being prosecuted for being, a, you know, effectively a domestic terrorist. Right. Um, this is this is the picture of what right wingers claim to care about is white women doing everything to support their husband. And instead, Tucker Carlson has labeled her an FBI informant with oh, no wow. evidence, literally wow. no evidence. And that's the kind of thing Tucker Carlson has been spreading from the start. And that's the kind of thing that Kevin McCarthy, because Marge. Uh, basically coerced him into doing it. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was one of the conditions he had to agree to before he could become speaker because Marge had him by the balls, basically. Um, and and so what he had was he had access to um, the security footage that um, and and he had access and then he turned it into se several misleading videos. Yep. And here are some things you need to know. One, there is nothing that Tucker Carlson published that defendants didn't have. He right. had to, so his first special was about Jacob Chansley, who remembers the QAnon shaman, the guy <laughs> half naked who was screaming from the, the dais the, right. and left Mike Pence a very threatening note before he, after some after some pushing, finally agreed to, to you know exit the Senate. Um, and so both of Chansley's attorneys have claimed, oh, we didn't get that video. Uh, they did. DJ claims they got the video and has since. Um, so so one of the things that happened after Tucker released this and at least three defendants are like, oh, we need to stall my trial so I can look through all of Tucker Carlson's video. DOJ has finally released for for variety, mostly because Chansley pled 
guilty. Um, DOJ did not release the video that was focused on Chansley that was given to his attorneys uh, in the way they otherwise normally would. Right. Um, but the attorneys had it. They claimed, yeah. though, that they didn't, but they did. Right. And so, yeah, they, they they I mean, basically, one of the things that DOJ has done is they've given all discovery to all people. And it's it's a lot. And so people end up not looking that closely. And then every time they say, oh, I didn't get X, Y and Z, DOJ is like, uh, yeah, May you do. 15th, 2021 <laughs> is the date you received that. Right. And they do that over and over again. So they did that with this video as well. They revealed that of the video relating to Chansley, there were 10 seconds that was not turned over to defendants until uh, January of this year. Those 10 seconds, now they have released yes. that video. And I believe what those 10 seconds show is that in addition to Chuck Schumer narrowly avoiding um, a scrape with one of the most terrifying Proud Boys, this big beefy guy who was carrying around an AR-15 that weekend. Um, so Chuck Schumer... Mike Pence, we know he narrowly got down those stairs while Officer Goodman was distracting. Um, we are learning more details about how narrow the escape was for the for the House members. Um, we in addition, we also learned this week, by the way, that um, Senator Risch's office is one of the ones that was known to be completely trashed. And he's never revealed that Ooh. his office was completely thoroughly trashed um, significantly by the Southern California anti-maskers. But in addition to all that, DOJ releases this video um, that Kyle Cheney, at least uh, at Politico. And, and, you know, I haven't figured out how he did this, but he believes it also shows Chuck Grassley. Literally getting um, third, then third in line to the presidency. Yep. He was the Senate pro tem at the time. Uh, getting getting uh, whisked, whisked out just as Dominic Pizzola. Remember, he's the guy who broke in the front door in the first place. That long-haired proud boy. Um, just as Pizzola was watching on, and the only thing standing between all of these, all of these invaders, including Chansley, including both Chansley and Pizzola. And Chuck Grassley, this like 155 year old man, right. the only thing standing between them is one cop saying, back off, back off, wow. back off. That's it. Wow. That was, you know, yet another close call that they disclosed. And that's what we learned thanks to Tucker Carlson's propaganda. But but it took them having to him lying and, and doctoring the video and, and selectively editing it more more accurately um, to find out there were 10 seconds that weren't released. And that was allegedly of Chuck Grassley being rushed out. And I th thought I read that the reason those 10 seconds were held back is because it could have given some uh hint as to the evacuation route, which would be a security concern. Right. It showed how Chuck Grassley was whisked out. So, yes. Um, and 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 to be clear, what what Tucker, the, the misleading editing that Tucker Carlson engaged in more aggressively was only showing the stuff after the damage had been done. So what he showed was Tucker Carlson, I mean, was Jacob Chansley being escorted you know, at first he refused to vacate the dais where right. they were trying to to finalize the vote. Like and he was screaming freedom yeah, and right. yelling things in his blowhorn and half naked and leaving threatening notes from Michael Pence. All of that is the stuff that constituted the obstruction charge against him, which is what which is the most serious charge that he was imprisoned for. So that's what he went to jail for was preventing Mike Pence from finalizing the vote count. And he did so by literally occupying the space that Mike Pence was supposed to be occupying. He did so by leaving Mike Pence a threatening message. He did so by making it impossible to retake the, the Senate. So what Tucker Carlson shows you is the stuff that happens after that. After they finally convince Shansley to leave, they show uh, a cop making sure he actually does. Leave. Right. Uh, and then another piece of video they show is after uh, Trump tweets out leave peacefully, which is hours later. Yes. Two hours, two plus hours later. Right. right. Um, uh, Chansley says our boss, Donald Trump, t tells us we should leave all given to the defendant. But all stuff that Tucker Carlson says, this is the substance of what you need to know about Jacob Chansley. So what he basically did was say what you need to know is after Donald Trump told him to, he left, you know, he, <laughs> he, he left, told people to leave. But before that, he was refusing to leave and occupying the space that Mike Pence was supposed to occupy. And so it's a great lesson in propaganda. I, you know, I, I love what it, it taught us. And um, and DOJ has used it as an opportunity. Like, you know, there's this accusation that that 
the January 6th committee and DOJ have both been telling unfair stories. And what actually happened in this particular case, in the case of Chansley, is that journalists didn't get access to the video that would have been far more damning about Chansley um, than the story that was being told in the in the paper filings on him. So, in fact, um, in this particular case and probably 200 others, we're not getting the most damning story because that's not how the video is getting released to journalists. Right. Uh, uh, And one more important point. Sorry, this is really important. So Tucker Carlson doesn't he all he has access to is CCTV video. Okay. Okay. All he has, he's, you know, the closed circuit security video inside the Capitol. Yeah. A great deal of the video that prosecutors have is video that comes from other January 6th people. And so that by itself, you know, like um, there were, I have the number in a post somewhere, but, you know, hundreds of phones that have been exploited. And those phones all have video showing what they saw that day. Tucker's not including any of that. And a lot of that is for a variety of reasons what was needed to show what um, January 6th defendants actually did. Right. And the, and the, the, the other thing that gets me about this whole story is, again, the opposite world nature of it. Uh, it. Tucker Carlson knows that he's been outed as lying to his audience about everything and doing it for re- the, the worst reasons, because it was going to hurt his livelihood in his pocketbook not because uh it's to further journalistic integrity it's the exact opposite so um knowing that everybody except the fox viewers know he's done this he then comes out with an even bigger lie to back up i guess the the claims of donald trump who we have learned he hates passionately there's such a disconnect there um that I wonder, one, can Tucker Carlson survive this? And two, can Fox survive it? We don't have a corporate death penalty, but we probably should. So one of the things that's going on is that uh, actually um, Tucker's January 6th BS is getting more play on Newsmax than on Fox. Right. They're not talking about it. The yeah, Fox, like people at Fox... There, you know, there is a step too far for people at Fox. And I think, as you said, a lot of them are just disgusted by the way they're being portrayed in the Dominion suit. We've got Smartmatic. We've got Jenna Ellis. Um, you know, so uh, I Fox does stand to have significant financial repercussions just from Dominion alone. And right. assuming Smartmatic succeeds, then from that as well. Um, and the Smartmatic lawsuit is like double the amount. They're asking for over $2 billion in damages, where Smartmatic was 1.6. I mean, Dom- where, yeah, where, Dominion, where Dominion yeah. was 1.6. Yeah. Yeah. And Dominion right now is also fighting. Um, so Fox has said, we can't release great swaths of this documentation because it's proprietary journalistic resources. One of the things we know by comparing two of their filings, one of the things we know they're hiding is how Tucker Carlson got Sidney Powell fired from the Trump campaign. You know, so that like this, this is, he claims, journalistic, propriety journalistic methods, the way he got Sidney Powell fired. Okay. And it's going to be stuff like that. It's going to be the degree, like another thing that they have hidden. Um, and we, again, we know this by reading two of the filings in, in tandem. Another thing is we know that um, Jeannie Pirro. Janine Pirro. Janine Pirro. Yeah, Janine Pirro. Janine Pirro. I think you have to say it like that. Janine Pirro. <laughs> Um, let me go get a bottle of wine. <laughs> um, uh, and Maria Bartiromo, okay. <laughs> Maria Bartiromo, um, they actually were contributing. They were making stuff up as part of the election lies. And that we don't know what it is because it's redacted. <laughs> but Fox right now is redacting that in the name of proprietary, proprietary news gathering. Oh They're redacting God. the role that Piro and Bartiromo had in this story. I suspect they're also redacting certain things about the relationship between Bartiromo and Trump. And I, and I think, you know, people like all of these relationships are sort of worth unpacking. We, we've not like, you know, there's the Tucker one. He hates Trump and is terrified of him, by the way. Like he says, one of the reasons he is so pro Trump is because he's terrified. 
right. him. Yeah. It can destroy us. Um, and we've got Sean Hannity and we've long known that in every criminal investigation of Donald Trump, Sean Hannity has been right there in the back pocket. He was literally serving as a back channel between Manafort and Trump while Manafort was um, until the time when Manafort got jailed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Ingram is is actually was, was buddies. We learned from his testimony, January 6th, was buddies with Pat Cipollone. Of course she was. Uh, who's supposed to be the adult in the room, right? right. So um, in the time, like, he may have actually seen her the morning of January 6th because they went to Catholic Mass together or something like that. Um, so that's Ingram. Um, but people forget that. And then Piero, of course, her ex-husband got a pardon for Trump, one of the last pardons, and therefore one of the most, most sketchy. Um, but but Bartiromo, people forget that there were a couple of key, quote unquote, interviews that were done during the Russian investigation where he got word out through her. And, you know, again, I think all of these people play a very specific role in the Trump world. And if too much more of this gets gets released, we're going to learn a lot more of what those roles specifically are. And they, of course, have nothing to do with journalism. Right. Right. Well, nor does Fox. You know, they call themselves Fox News, but they are not a news organization. And that, I think, has to be one of the outcomes of all of this is that they can't call themselves news. Now, if they were over the air, they wouldn't be able to. But because they're on cable, they can. Well, one thing that could happen uh is that they could be dis? They could lose their credentialing mm. from whichever congressional house is in charge of credentialing. Both the Senate and House refuse to credential journalists uh, or, or journalistic organizations that are actually PACs right. or that are actually um, political organizations. And so, based on what we've seen from Rupert, both that. Uh, uh, you know, at one point he's like, well, we'll let whether Trump won go for now. Let's do everything we can to help them win the states, Georgia, uh, win Georgia. That's one thing. But the more important thing is he was giving Jared advance access to what what Biden was doing with advertising. So those two things, I think somebody, some good government entity should go to Congress and say, uh, eliminate the credentials for anybody from from Fox Corporation mm-hmm. generally top to mm-hmm. bottom mm-hmm. and um and those credentials often dictate whether you can be credentialed in places like courts or the White House or what have you and so it would be a way to make it clear that Fox is not a News. journalistic organization right. and and I hate to do that because there are actually journalists at the organization. I mean, Jackie Heinrich is the one who she fact checked something um, that Trump was saying about the election. And that's when Tucker Carlson went to have her fired that's because right. she was telling the truth. Yeah. But but the thing is, if it is uh, the credentialing comes, say, through the House, that'll never happen because the, the although they, they claim that the Democrats have politicized or weaponized the Justice Department, it's opposite world. So it's actually, you know, I'm rubber, you're glue. It's the, it's the old thing. You, nothing they say, you can take at face value. It's the other way. They're not going to deny Fox any kind of credentialing. Yeah, I, because, I actually don't think it's the Congress that gets oh, to do it. And okay. so it's the it's the um, anyway, I all I know is that it's at different points in my life, I would not have been able to be credentialed in the house not because of anything i did but because like when i worked at fire dog like that would not have been possible because fire dog like raised money and same with the right. daily coast like right. they could not get credentials same reason um and so i think fox if you know if daily coast can't be credentialed neither should fox and and there's a move too i think to strip fox personalities from their role in legitimate journalistic organizations Good. and that's another means i think where uh where where you make that point that they are not a journalistic organization. Right. The, 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 you know, the, our, our regulation of broadcast versus Internet versus cable is antiquated. I mean, so much has happened in the last 30 years since the Telecommunications Act of 1996. It all needs to be revisited. But that's the legal thing. But the credentialing and all of the stuff that uh, journalistic organizations do is is a way to say these are we do know we no longer recognize Fox as journalist organization because of what we see from top to bottom. Right. Of how they work. Gotcha. OK, so those are the, the biggest issues. Now, I've got a bunch of other stuff that's sort of related that maybe we can jam through. For instance, you have an article up about um, 
I love the headline, Tucker's Putin Envy. Um, (laughs) I'm glad you like that headline. Oh, it's awesome. Tucker Carlson had a back channel with Russia. And meanwhile, you got Maddie Dickpick saying Russia didn't have any involvement here. Um, What is this about? So in 2021, July of 2021, uh, he went on air and said, hey, look, the NSA has been spying on me. And uh, after that happened, um, Jonathan Swan came out and said what happened was he had two people who through whom he was trying to set up an interview with Putin. Um, Tucker used Swan's reporting, the fact that Swan was reporting probably off his original tip, who's probably somebody like, say, Devin Nunes, um, to claim that the NSA was going to leak information about him to discredit him as a journalist. So so basically what happened was Tucker learned about this and Tucker decided to flip it on its head. Um, what is virtually certain is that Tucker's back channels to Putin were in some way legitimate targets of NSA spying, probably suspected or known Russian agents. Um, And even on its face, that means that Tucker, that Russian spies, let's say, were using a dangle of you want to do an interview with Vladimir (laughs) Putin as a way to cultivate Tucker Carlson. Mm. Now, uh, he told the story again the other day on some podcast. I don't know what. Uh, and and added a few more details. He added a detail that, um, for example, he had told a senator about this and, and the senator had gone to the NSA and asked about it. Um, I originally thought that the senator might be Marco Rubio, but it's now more likely, you know, we know that Rand Paul sent the NSA a letter. So maybe it was Rand Paul. Rand Paul, of course, the Paul family has been cultivated themselves by Russians. So sure. that may be why Tucker went to the Paul family. Um, uh, former Paul staffer is appealing his conviction recently for uh, hiding a donation to Trump from a Russian oligarch. So um, that's one of the many ties that the Paul family has with Russia. There was Rand Paul's uh, back channel to Putin himself. And um, one of the other things that um, Tucker revealed is, so he said there was an email trying to set up this interview. Um, He said that in real time. That's what he was talking about in 2021. And he said only his producer knew about the email trying to set up the interview. What he said the other day is that there were also signal texts. Right. Now, if you're having a conversation, if if you're having a conversation over email, that's one thing. If you're having a conversation over signal texts, that's an entirely different thing. Because that's encrypted and the the government can't get at it. It's hidden. Um, Yeah, and it means that NSA probably hacked the phone of whoever he was talking to. And by announcing it, Tucker Carlson burned that intercept. Um, So he damaged U.S. security to do it. But um, it sets up the possibility that and and by the way, it's likely that uh, Tucker or one of his producers, one of was one of Jonathan Swan's sources for saying that this was all about a meeting with with Putin. So. uh, um, because he had two sources for that. And we know, or we have good reason to believe, because Tucker went with squealing about it, that he, that Tucker, somebody in Tucker's orbit had spoken with Jonathan. Anyway, so one thing that was going on was he was trying to set up an interview. But when he sent his, uh, when he sent his producer, the same guy who called his viewers um, <laughs> dumb cousin, cousin fucking fuckers, terrorists, right? by the way, when he sent that producer, the dumb cousin fucking terrorists, the producer to the NSA to find out how long this has been going on he asked for 30 months wow okay i'm sorry if you're tucker carlson it doesn't take 30 months to set up an interview with vladimir putin something else was going on in that 30 months time so beginning like he asked starting january 1st 2019 that's how long tucker thought that they may have been spying on him and what happened is somebody reached out to him and said i hear you're trying to set up a meeting with putin don't do it because the NSA is watching. And then Tucker became concerned about the previous 30 months of his (laughs) communications with the back channel who was a legitimate NSA target. Yeah, lots of questions about that. And particularly given his his explicitly pro. Oh, one other thing he said was he's like, oh, I have nothing to hide, but I did hide this even from my wife. And I hid it because it was an interview. But we know because we know what he did with his Viktor Orban interview with another um, fascist, uh, pro-Russian fascist. Right, right. 
um, we know from that that he didn't hide it. He was so gleeful about having that interview. He he prepped it, you know, he 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 he, uh, he uh, promoted it for weeks mm-hmm. that, um, you know, I find his claim that he was hiding it because he was having an interview ridiculous right so, so there's that's, the, the, that's the putin uh tucker carlson back channel story. cool and, and, and you come i'm sure and again you can read all about all this at emptywheel.net okay now another one that got me this week to my eyes wide open like what saudi arabia and iran now are rekindling their relationship. Saudi Arabia, you mean Trump's best friends and the and the MBS who murdered a Washington Post journalist. And um, we have, I guess, said it's OK. It's a diplomatic immunity kind of thing or something. This should we be concerned about this new relationship being rekindled between Saudi Arabia and Iran? Oh, we should be interested and we should also be asking whether the U.S. can continue its uh, its special relationship with Israel the way we have, given the way that Net- Netanyahu is, is, is going full authoritarian. I think that, um, you know, everyone's looking towards Ukraine uh, and spy balloons in the United States. But I think that um, China is making a play in the Middle East, and yep. it is a very interesting play. I mean, so the U.S. is worried that China is going to make it possible for Russia to win its invasion of Ukraine. Really? And China wanted to do so for two reasons. One is because itself, it wants to take over Taiwan. It wants to do the same thing. It wants to take over, you know, a, a, what it views as its own land. Right. And it wants an authoritarian government. It wants the authoritarian government to be the standard globally. It wants to get rid of the worldwide order based in significant part in democracy and replace it with this kind of authoritarian view in which yeah. authoritarianism is, is viewed as preferable. It is interesting. So you have Iran, which is keeping Russia afloat right now, and you have Saudi Arabia, which um Look, I mean, we need to talk about why Saudi Arabia has paid Trump and his son-in-law $3 billion since he left office. Yeah. We yes. need to talk about that. We do. How um, did 666 Fifth Avenue all of a sudden become not at risk? How is that that huge financial uh, thing hanging over uh, uh, Jared Kushner's head? How is that all of a sudden? Oh, that's all taken care of. We're all good. Well, the $3 billion is separate from that. Oh, my God. So there was the bailout during the administration, but since then he's got you know he's got his investment fund funded to the tune of two billion dollars oh plus um, the the golf deal for Trump and plus this hotel deal in Oman. So three billion dollars conservatively that Trump has gotten from the Saudis after leaving office, and yeah, you got to wonder whether that's like payment rendered for things that Jared did in the Middle East. Um, and you know, meanwhile the Republicans want to look at Hunter Biden's dick pics again. Um, but it's a it's a very real question. And the reason the Saudis were, you know, the Saudis, the Emiratis and the um, Russians and Turkey and Egypt were all backing Trump from the very beginning. And they you know, this is what the the um, this is what Mike Flynn was supposed to do. They were all backing him from the beginning. And the reason why was because Trump doesn't believe in democracy either. Trump was this guy who was going to bring corruption and authoritarianism to the United States and change the way of and change the Western way. He was going to shut down NATO. He was going to, you know, uh, overlook their authoritarianism. That was the goal. And so what do we make of China? After Trump loses, as it's trying to keep Russia afloat without really pissing off the United States, what do we make of this diplomatic effort? I think we need to to, to look at it very seriously. I mean, if if the dollar was no longer the basis for oil exchange, which the Saudis do, then um, then it would be very easy for China to bankrupt the United States. Wow. You know, like they're like th- this is the kind of thing that I think China would do indirectly to ensure that it can get its way well, uh, because, you know, look, Joe Biden did a tremendous job, far better than I thought he could do, uh, not just keeping the Western alliance together, but strengthening. Yes. Um, like the, the leadership from the Biden administration is far beyond what I imagined they'd be able to do, even though I knew he was an expert and, and Tony Blinken and, you know, um, it just it just a tremendous job. And so 
having faced that, China, which has been trying to become the dominant power in the world, and Russia, which has spent like at least since 2014, probably since 2008, has, 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 um, put into place this uh, intelligence-driven plan to basically take out the Western order. And that's what I think the nature of the Chinese and Russian alliance needs to be understood as. Um, That's what this diplomacy, I mean, it does raise questions. It does. Uh, You know, who knows what's going to happen? We can't make undo it right now. But uh, those are the stakes, I think. Right. And and people need to be aware this is going on because um, all the other noise sometimes drowns out important issues that we need to be aware of. And this one just raised huge red flags. And, uh, you know, here we go. There's other stuff we could talk about, Marcy, but the clock is saying we've used the hour. Um, We could do two hours easily. I I thank you so much. So go to EmptyWheel.net to read what we didn't get to because there's... So much. I don't know how you do it. You keep it all straight. I'm always, I'm in awe of you. Marcy Wheeler, thank you as always. All right. Take care, Nicole. She is. uh, She does keep it all straight. Oops. Hold on. Need the microphone. Ah. Okay. Now I have a microphone. She does keep it all straight, and I don't know how she does it, but she does. Encyclopedia brain or something. Um, With that, we're done. See, it's a Wednesday. Boom, boom. And here we go. So tomorrow, Howie Klein is here, and I'll start it. I've got two, two, count them, two music videos to share with you tomorrow. The new Randy Rainbow and a new one from uh, Parody Project. They're both really good. All right. Um, But with that, yes, see, Sharon says I'm going to have to listen to this again. It's so much information that Marcy gives us each time she's here. And if you missed anything, don't forget, go to EmptyWheel.net and read up on the things we didn't have time to get to. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow and I'll leave you with I'll leave you with the news. All right. Um, uh, It's coming in just a minute. In just a minute. Here we go. See you manana. Bye. It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. A Russian fighter jet forced down a U.S. drone over the Black Sea on Tuesday, creating a potentially dangerous escalation at a critical time in the fighting. This marks the first time Russian and U.S. military aircraft have come into direct physical contact since Russia launched its invasion of Ukraine just over a year ago. The White House called Moscow's actions, quote, unsafe, unprofessional and reckless, while Russia's defense ministry denied its aircraft came into contact with the drone. The U.S. Justice Department and the Securities and Exchange Commission are opening investigations into the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. The investigations are looking into both the bank's failure and the actions by senior executives in the lead up to the collapse, where they grabbed those bonuses while they could. This after the Biden administration took extraordinary action on Sunday to guarantee that customers of the failed bank will have access to all their money starting Monday. Separately, The newly appointed CEO of Silicon Valley Bridge Bank, created to handle customers' transferred deposits and banking services, is asking customers to return some of their funds into the bank while trying to assure customers their deposits are protected. Yeah, that'll work. Okay, moving right along. Heads up about another attempt by the anti-choice forces to undermine women's abilities to control our own bodies, this time with the help of a U.S. District Court Trump-appointed judge. The hearing is happening today in Amarillo, Texas. It's for a lawsuit brought by a group called the Alliance Defending Freedom. <laughs> They're seeking to revoke FDA approval of mifepristone. It's one of two drugs used in a medical abortion. The judge, Matthew Kazmarek, is a Trump appointee who has written critically about Roe v. Wade and previously worked for a Christian conservative legal organization. The story here is that this judge delayed putting the hearing on the public court docket, claiming he didn't follow the protocol of immediately making the notice public to, quote, try to minimize disruptions and possible protests. Uh, constitutionally protected speech? Really? Oh, and then he asked the lawyers on the call where this was arranged not to share the information about it before then. It was only after a coalition of media outlets, including several Texas-based newspapers and the Washington Post, asked the judge 
to immediately make public his plans for a hearing. Did he do so? So why did this judge want to keep the news of the hearing quiet? Well, that's because after both sides make their arguments, this one judge could rule at any time to suspend FDA approval of that abortion drug, thereby at least temporarily banning it nationally until an appeal could be heard. That would be by the conservative Fifth Circuit and then possibly Supreme Court. And if that doesn't go far enough for you, try South Carolina. A new bill from (coughs) pro-life Republicans in South Carolina could make abortion a death penalty crime. The proposal from Republican State Representative Rob Harris wants to amend South Carolina's criminal code so that all references to a, quote, person include a fertilized egg, embryo, or fetus at any stage of development. So in effect, the bill would make aborting a pregnancy a homicide, a crime punishable by death in South Carolina. Wow. More than a dozen Democratic governors urged seven major U.S. pharmacies not to bow to political pressure on medical abortion. The governors wrote in this group letter, we urge that your decisions continue to be guided by well-established science and medical evidence and a commitment to the health and well-being of patients, not politics or litigation threats. Hey, Walgreens, listen up. Just saying. The state of Ohio is suing Norfolk Southern over the derailment of that train that released toxic chemicals in East Palestine last month. The lawsuit accusing Norfolk Southern of violating state and federal laws on the handling of hazardous waste, negligence, and air and water pollution. The state's asking for damages and financial penalties and a declaratory judgment saying that Norfolk Southern is responsible. The state also wants the rail operator to reimburse for its costs, including emergency response and economic harm. Here's today's Florida moment. The state of Florida moved to revoke the liquor license of the Hyatt Regency Miami on Tuesday, alleging that minors had been in attendance at a holiday event called a drag queen Christmas in violation of state law. Seriously. Oh, this is fun. Congressman George Santos of New York has lied about just about everything in his biography and is facing criminal inquiries and ethics investigations. Filed paperwork yesterday indicating his intent to run for re-election in 2024. This comes after about two-thirds of voters in his district in New York believe he should resign. This is not unexpected. Hate crimes in the U.S. increased by 11.6% in 2021, up from the previous year. This according to a new FBI report. 12,411 people were reported to have been victims of hate crimes in 2021. 64.5% of them targeted because of their race or ethnicity. 15.9% targeted for their sexual orientation. And 14.1% for their religion. Welcome to America. I got the- And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and the Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is listener-supported, and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com, and please click on that Donate button.